0: Okay, if you would, please turn to the book of the New Testament called the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. I will be reading Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. <coughs> Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, Lord, When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. Blessed is the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, you have... Granted to your son the promise, and handed the promise of the Spirit to him. And he has poured the Holy Spirit out upon all who are his. He has baptized us in the Spirit. And so I beg of you that in the Spirit and by the Spirit this morning you allow us to let Luke take us to that historical moment see it, understand it, grasp it, and thus live in light of it to the glory of our ascended holy high priest and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For any of us in this room to be used by God to one degree or another, to stronger degrees than we have been, to be used for the extension of His kingdom in this world. There are two things that must be constantly central to our lives. One is daily yearning for and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. In other words, to be filled with the Spirit. And the second thing is, along with that, Having and maintaining and growing our sure hope that our ascended Lord Jesus will descend just like He ascended. He will raise us from the dead and we will ascend with Him. So this morning. That's the main thing we're going to look at. Number two, this great biblical Christian central doctrine, the ascension of Jesus Christ. But first, remember back in verses 4 and 5, we saw last week Jesus is standing there with His apostles and He just said to them, Wait here in Jerusalem. Don't move. Because I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Then you'll move. You're going to be empowered. So wait for the Spirit, guys. And so now in verse 6, they ask Him, in light of that, Lord, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Why do they say that? Because they know their Bible. It's a smart question. They knew that the Old Testament promises of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit were tied to the last days and the coming of the kingdom on earth. They knew that. So Jesus says, wait, I'm going to baptize you in the Spirit. Uh, You're going to be filled with the power of the Spirit. And so they say, so so Jesus, with this power of the Spirit, do you mean that the final kingdom is coming to earth to be set up? The question makes perfect sense. Actually, Luke already told us in Volume 1 that Jesus just said to them a month and a half earlier at the Last Supper to these guys, quote, I assigned to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom so that you, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Bartholomew, and Matthew, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He just told them that a month and a half earlier, and they know that this kingdom in the Old Testament is connected to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in those prophecies. So their question is not a dumb question. Are you going to restore the kingdom right now? Is it coming immediately? And Jesus answers the question straightforwardly. Guys, no. And not only that, the timing of my second coming of the kingdom to earth and its consummation is not in your grasp to know. It's not in your capability to piece together the puzzle and to figure out the timing of the restoration of the earth and of Israel in the consummated kingdom. That's his answer. He says it this way in verse 7 Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, chronos or kairos. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. In other words, He says to them, guys, do not assume now that this long-awaited outpouring of the Holy Spirit will immediately usher in the consummated kingdom, the judgment day, the eradication of this present evil age it won't necessarily do that you're knowing when that's going to happen it's not going to be helpful to you guys but something will be and is that's his next word look at that next word beginning of verse 8 but you will Receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's work to be done through you guys by the power of the Holy Spirit before the restoration of Israel. That's what he says. So then, over these last three weeks, let's, let's see this in a nutshell and carry on with what Luke shows us here on the Mount of Olives. We have seen that Jesus was killed. And that same person and that same body was resurrected from the dead to new immortal human life. And he appeared over and over and over again to the apostles and many others. And he was giving Bible lesson after Bible lesson after Bible lesson to his apostles. He appeared to the women who loved him numerous times. He appeared to his brother James. At one time, probably up in Galilee on a mount, he appeared to over 500 disciples from Jerusalem to Galilee and back and forth. Then, now, at the end of those 40 days, Jesus says, he's on the Mount of Olives, wait. Wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall. The power to Witness, testify, evangelize to go tell it on the mountain and in the marketplace and at home and abroad. Wait. And the Holy Spirit by the hand of Luke brings us now to this very deep historical spiritual drama. Just Right before Jesus, the one born of Mary, lived, died, suffered, was raised 40 days. And now right before he leaves, he left the church with the ongoing mission to testify to this gospel until he returns consummate the kingdom. He gave this great commission on the Mount of Olives. The back side of it is just east of Jerusalem where the temple is. You go outside the gate, there's the Mount of Olives. You go to the top and the other side, it's the back side of this little town called Bethany, which is still the Mount of Olives. We know this because remember, Luke writes two volumes. And the end of the first volume overlaps with the beginning of the second volume. Okay. So first of all, this is the way he said it at the end of the Gospel of Luke. Luke 24, verses 50 and 51. Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany and picture him, picture him. Picture me every Sunday morning before I dismiss you. Picture him lifting up his hands. He, the high priest, blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. And now the overlap, Luke just repeats it in his different words in verse 9 of chapter 1. And when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he, got to picture it, he, right before them, was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So, as He continued to ascend, Jesus pronounced the benediction. He blessed them with this priestly blessing. It's very biblical. Okay, Leviticus 9.22. Aaron, Moses' brother, the first high priest, it says this, Then Aaron lifted up both of his hands toward the people and blessed them. And so here's Jesus, after 40 days, slowly being carried up into another realm as he stretched out his hands to his beloved apostles and whoever else was there and pronounced upon them words. Of blessing. And Luke says he was lifted up and a cloud took him. This is not a rain cloud. It's not our beautiful white puffy cloud on a clear blue sky day. That's not what's happening if you know your Bible. This is the Shekinah glory that represents in Scripture the very presence manifested to see the presence of God. It's the cloud that was on Mount Sinai that Moses went up into and after he came out of it in 40 days, his face was shining so much from the Shekinah glory cloud that he had to put a veil over his face so the people wouldn't be blinded by it. You remember the wilderness wanderings. The Shekinah glory was there at night by the pillar of fire. And that Shekinah glory was there by day by that cloud that followed. It's the cloud that hung over the tabernacle. And then hundreds of years later after Solomon's temple now is built and they dedicate it, it's the cloud that filled the temple. And it's the cloud on Mount Transfiguration when Peter James and John went up there with Jesus. Same cloud. This is what it says in Luke 9, 34 to 35. While they're up there now, a cloud, there it is, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And Peter, James and John were afraid as they entered the cloud. Yes, yes, It's the presence of God. And they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. The disciples then, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus begins to be carried up, and their mouths drop wide open. As they're gazing into Jesus being caught up into the Shekinah glory presence in that cloud. And Luke describes it this way in verses 10 and 11. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, clearly angels, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was just now taken up into the glory cloud from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What they witnessed and what they testify to is Jesus' exodus. It's the exodus that Luke himself was pointing to. When he told us about the transfiguration, and Luke says this in his first volume, chapter 9, verse 31. And there in that glory cloud, with Jesus was Moses and Elijah, who appeared, watch this, in glory and spoke of Jesus', with Jesus, about his departure which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem nine months earlier than this ascension into heaven Luke said this in chapter 9 of Luke when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken He set His face to go to Jerusalem. And in His trial before the Sanhedrin, Jesus spoke of not just a resurrection, but of His ascension, saying, But from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power. Of God. Only way to get there is to rise and then ascend. So, Luke brings us to the Mount of Olives. What is happening here? What are they really witnessing on that day? when Jesus was lifted up the glory cloud he goes into it and he's gone what they're witnessing is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies for instance Psalm 2 verses 7 and 8 quote the Lord said to me you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. It is extending to Jesus, and it happened. Right before he ascended, Jesus let them know what's happening here. The nations are given to me. Everything is my possession, or the way Matthew records it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See you later. I'm coming back. Bye. Psalm 8. Verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. He has ascended. Psalm 110, actually I, I should have checked it. It's probably the most quoted passage in the New Testament from the Old Testament because of Jesus. Here it is. The Lord says to my Lord, i give you the Hebrew. Yahweh says to my Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord is at your right hand? He will shatter kings on the day of His wrath. Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of the authority on high. On the night before Jesus was brutally tortured to death, he told his apostles this, John 16. Listen to him carefully. Guys, I came from the Father, and I've come into the world, and now I am leaving. The world and going to the Father, it's His ascension. Psalm sixty-eight, verse eighteen, says, "You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, and then." We know, right? The Apostle Paul sees clearly this is referring to Jesus, and he quotes it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, saying, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts. Paul knew that the psalm is a prophecy of Jesus' ascension. So he changes the pronoun from you to he ascended. And that Jesus isn't receiving gifts here. Paul says he's giving gifts. Well now, originally Psalm 68 is a psalm of ascent. Meaning of going up. After victory. Going up to Jerusalem, which you've got to go up to get to Jerusalem and to the temple. It may even be when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant finally to Jerusalem. But it's not just what's happening with David. It's clearly what will be happening with David's greater son ascending from this world to God's other realm, Heaven. Uncreated world, non-physical world, God's Heaven, where the King will then distribute the spoils, gifts to people. And so the Apostle Paul interprets it saying this, Insane Jesus ascended. What does it mean? But that He also descended into the lower regions. That is, the earth through His incarnation through Mary. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens so that He might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so Paul's point is that Jesus' ascension from earth to the heavenly otherworld realm, it meant Two clear things. His exaltation to the right hand of God. Above everything with all authority and power. And secondly, from there, Jesus is serving and ministering to His people. Through people. By the Spirit. The ascension of Jesus to His exaltation Luke gives us here. That's what's happening. He says it, means the same thing. He says it twice in two different ways because there's a lot. All this is true. Jesus stretched out His hands to them. He gave them the biblical priestly, for He is the high priest. Blessing as He went up and was carried into the cloud out of His sight. Where did he go? Past the moon? Yeah, that's why. What is that? One hundred eighty-six thousand. That's not. Maybe he went past Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune. We live in such a tiny solar system. Within our own little teeny solar system called the Milky Way, there are at least two hundred billion suns, stars. And that's just one little galaxy when we know there's at least a hundred billion galaxies. Where did he go? He went up! Well, he didn't go up real far. That's not the point. It's not about spatial distance. That's not what Luke is describing. Remember, when this very 100% Fully human man was resurrected from the dead. He wasn't resurrected, resuscitated back to mere mortal physical life. It was transphysical. When you look at the accounts, that is why this immortal human being could just show up in the room with the door locked. That's why He could sit at the table in Emmaus and continue to teach them from the Scripture and then all of a sudden vanish. And then He can appear again and Peter, who is yet to die, very mortal, will eat some fish and this same resurrected Jesus will eat of the same fish. He is resurrected. He is transphysical. That's why He went through the cloth in His resurrection grave clothes. Jesus' ascent cannot be described and understood in terms of space, distance, any more than His descent in the incarnation could be described in terms of how many light years he traveled to get here. He came from the eternal realm and took to himself human nature through Mary. Not distance. When he's resurrected, this resurrected body can go way into the glory. The Shekinah presence of God until it's time to return and to raise from the dead those who are His and to bring them up into the cloud of glory. Heaven is another realm other than this three-dimensional physical Realm that physical science deals with. Heaven's realm is where God is fully experienced, even with a resurrected transphysical body. It's the place. For this king of ultimate power and authority, which the right hand of God represents. Peter was there on the Mount of Olives. Decades later, Peter writes a letter to be distributed to every church you can possibly find. And Peter looks back, and this is what he says about his friend, Jesus. 1 Peter 3.22 Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected, him again the night before Jesus was killed this is how he prayed I want to read it here's how slowly can I read it so we hear what he's saying father Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is the pre-existent eternal Son speaking as a human being, a man. Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had before you existed. This re-glorification that he is asking of the Father is not, please re-glorify my divine nature like I had before. It's impossible to be re-glorified in His divine nature. It is this one eternal person who does have complete, full divine nature Who, since His incarnation in the womb of Mary, has another nature. Human nature. That's what He's referring to. Taking my humanity up into Your glory. The same glory that I eternally, as God, have always had, bring my full humanity up into that glory. This glorification comes to the Lord Jesus Christ as a consequence of His incarnation, His perfect righteousness, His suffering and death, and His resurrection, and His ascension. If I have not been passionate enough to convince you of that, I'll let Paul, because he can't be clearer about this, when he writes in Philippians chapter two, verses six to eleven. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the Morphe, the nature of God. He did not count equality with God, which He always had, as a thing to be grasped, meaning held on to, which would prevent Him saying, I'm not going to become a human being. He did not allow that to happen. But instead, He emptied Himself. Well, what does it mean? He tells you what it means. By the Incarnation. He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men in the womb of Mary. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Paul's not done. Because of that, that's why the next word is therefore, meaning because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him that child of Mary's bestowed on him, what? The name. Okay, The name is not Jesus. It's not the name he's talking about. I'll tell you what the name he's talking about. One in the Ten Commandments, do not take my name, carry my name in your life in vain. Do not take the name Yahweh in vain. And He bestowed on this man the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, Mary's Son, every knee should bow in heaven And on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus, the Messiah, is Yahweh, Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so, on the mount there of olives, when He ascended, these apostles, these fishermen and tax collectors, they were right to worship Him. And this is what Luke says at the very end of his first volume. Quote, He just ascended And they... Okay, let's stop. First of the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God. Him only. You have no other gods before Him. You worship God, Yahweh, only. And these men worshipped Jesus. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple. Blessing God. That's why Hebrews chapter 1 verses 8 to 9 says concerning Jesus. Your throne O oh God is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom, Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond companions that's why Hebrews 10 12 to 13 says "But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he was raised and then he ascended and then he sat down the right hand of God waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. The incarnation of Christ His resurrection and His ascension has permanent consequences for us. This same resurrected Jesus who then ascended will come back out of that glory cloud into this present world to bring judgment and final Salvation to those who are his. He is only the first man to be resurrected from the dead. He is the first fruits of many to follow his resurrection and his ascension. That's why Luke tells us in verses 10 and 11, And while they were gazing into heaven, as He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. So let me then close with the significance if we grasp that historical day of his ascension what it means today for every believer two great things because he has ascended remember this is what Luke's doing with his writing The gospel was only what he began to do and teach. He is ascended, and thus Jesus is very active. Firstly, as your high priest. Paul wants every Christian to really grasp what that means. That Jesus, He didn't go into the Holy of Holies in the temple or tabernacle with the blood of bulls and goats. He went in there with His own blood and not the physical tabernacle, but the unseen one in the glory cloud. And so Paul writes in Romans 8.34, Christian, do you ever hear voices of condemnation in your head because of your real sin? And you're praying and condemnation continues to come. Paul says to you, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, shed his blood, and more than that, who was raised, who is ascended, Okay, he didn't use that word, but it's there. Watch. Who is at the right hand of God? And now listen to him. Who, Christian, Christian, indeed, he is now interceding for us. Hallelujah. The New Testament tells us in Hebrews 4 this. Hear it. Since then, Christians, we have a great high priest. The, the, the one who is passed here, see the see the ascension into the glory cloud. The one who is passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast our confession. Because do you get it? We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses as a human being. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So what? Let us then with confidence daily in our prayer lives draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need that resurrected Jesus has ascended the right hand of God it is at the very core of our great hope of Christianity Hebrews 6 says it this way we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul have what? the hope the hope that enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Here, see the tabernacle, but the non-physical one in the heavens. That is, where, picture His ascension, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He is ascended, so He is our High Priest. He has put away your sin forever, your condemnation, your guilt, and He is actively interceding for you by name. And finally, secondly, Because Jesus has ascended, He has released the Holy Presence of God to us. He's released the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what it meant. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus says this. You've heard this before, but maybe you might hear this in a different light now. He must send to the right hand of God as king, son of David, human, man, savior, high priest, for this. He says, guys, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away and ascend on the Mount of Olives into the glory cloud, then the Holy Spirit, the Helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Wait in Jerusalem, guys. John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you. The Holy Spirit. So wait! Got to go to heaven first. So Jesus ascended to heaven. Why? So he can be closer and nearer to you. To every one of his sheep at the exact same time during this present age that's why and so after he pours out the spirit I want you to hear the connection it's not, me, I'm not, it's not me it's so clear in the scripture Peter inserts this teaching and this connection within the very first sermon preached post Pentecost in chapter 2 of Acts he declares this Jesus God raised up and of that we right here are all witnesses now hear him being therefore because about ten days earlier he ascended being therefore exalted at the right hand of God And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus received it. Therefore, Jesus has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. This is our life. The Holy Spirit communes with us. Which means the Father and the Son... Through the Spirit, commune with us who believe. Who have been brought into union with Christ. Who is that? Whosoever will believe. If you think to yourself, I want that then believe. Jesus kept saying throughout His earthly ministry that I'm going to Jerusalem in order to be killed as the atonement for sins and I will rise from the dead on the third day. And He did just that. Then 40 days later, He ascended to the right hand of God with all authority and all power given to Him in heaven and on earth. And He has poured out the Spirit who is very available. That's why people will be being saved. And Christians, that's why we ought to pursue the presence and the breaking and the intimacy with God the Holy Spirit all the more, every day. Jesus poured out the Spirit. He is our God. He is the Son of David. He is our eternal and everlasting reigning sovereign King. So, as I close, Luke writes two volumes. There's the overlap with the end of Luke, and we're at the beginning of the second volume. I want you to hear the first volume. Remember how he starts it, and then how he ends it. It starts with an angel appearing to a virgin 13, 16-year-old girl. Call his name. Jesus. And he ends it this way. While He stretched out His hands and blessed them, He parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Doctrine is so crucial. In other words, the teaching of Christianity revealed in Scripture, that's doctrine, is so crucial. Because doctrine is understanding reality. And on that day, I know this doesn't happen normally. He ascended right in front of him into the glory cloud. And so I close with this with the early apostles and Christians of the first century, they sang this hymn. It was a well known hymn. That's why Paul quotes it in 1 Timothy. 416. This saying is known. Luke hung around Paul. Luke just totally filled out this thing though, in his two volumes for us. But here is what we confess with the first century church as I close. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Jesus was manifested in the flesh Vindicated by the Spirit. Seen by angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. And this morning's text. Taken up in glory. And so as I started. Let us plead with God from the depths of our hearts and not just our minds for the power and the presence of the Spirit in our daily lives and keep this great hope that just as Jesus ascended He will descend one day and bring it all to an end and glorify all who belong to Him. Let's pray. Father, You are amazing. Your ways Your redemptive history. We need you to act upon us. This week. In our prayer lives. In our family lives. In our work lives. In our Bible lives. In our fellowship lives. Work. By the power of your Holy Spirit causing us to delight in you more than silver or gold or wives or husbands or children to the glory of your holy name Amen